Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harrisal Velosos, and you're listening to Soul Organized Style Podcast. Grab a cuppa because today's podcast is about a sustainable weaving mill. Soul Organized Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for letting us into your sewing room today. Listeners, you heard the wonderful Sew Over 50 podcast featuring Marianne Costa or Fox Gloves and Thimbles. In her podcast, Marianne mentioned her daughter Anamika having a sustainable weaving mill. Today, Anamika is here to talk about how she decided to create her own sustainable weaving mill seven years ago. You'll find the retail arm of Anamika's sustainable weaving mill at sustainablefabrics.shop. So let's give a warm welcome to Anamika. Welcome Anamika to Sell Organized Style Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Our listeners heard your mother talk about her sewing experience and she mentioned you and what you're doing with your sustainable weaving mill. And that's why I asked you onto the podcast. So there is a connection through yeah. your family on the Sell Organized Style Podcast now. Yeah, so nice. Yeah, I'm really proud of my mom and what she does and what she makes. So it's really nice to uh, step in her footsteps on this podcast. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Well, I'm Annemieke. I live in Enschede, which is a city in the far east part of the Netherlands, close to the German border. And I came here almost 12 years ago for my study communication science, which has nothing to do with textiles, but more on that later. And well, my mom taught me how to sew and I made a lot of garments by myself at that time. So I was really into textiles. So I noticed all the tiny or sometimes big landmarks in the city that still reminded of the textile producing days of Enschede. Because actually up until the 1960s, Enschede was, well, next to Manchester, the biggest textile producing city in Europe. At one point in time, almost 85% of the working population worked in one of the textile factories in the city. So it was really big and still a lot of things remind of textile production and a lot of especially elderly people still have a lot of memories of working in those factories and producing textiles. But unfortunately, in the 1960s, more and more factories closed their doors because it was cheaper to produce closer to the sources of textiles, so closer to the cotton fields and also a lot of strikes because the working conditions in the Dutch textile mills weren't that great either. So... Well, actually moving to Enschede really sparked my idea as well about, well, reviving the textile industry here and starting my own mill. Annemieke, can you take us back to when you started your sustainable weaving mill? I founded my weaving mill Enschede Textilstad almost seven years ago in 2013. Actually, in that same year, the Rana Plaza factory in Bangladesh collapsed, which caused almost 1,100 people to die. It sparked a lot of conversation about working conditions in the textile industry. But I was really annoyed by the fact that people didn't seem to look past the working conditions in the garment manufacturing. I thought, well, we have zippers in our clothing, we have labels the fabric itself, how is it made and is it made under good circumstances or can it be improved? And what about the environmental impact of producing those items and being in those parts of the production chain? 
So I did some research and initially I was working at an advertising agency at the time and I thought, well, I will try to inspire my colleagues and make them work on a blog post or series of videos or interviews to make people aware of the textile industry and everything that can be improved. But somewhere along the way, me living in Enschede, having a little bit of a history with textiles and appreciating craftsmanship, that turned into the idea of why not start a sustainable weaving mill in Enschede, which used to be a big textile producing city. Why not try to prove people that production close to home is a possibility and that craftsmanship is something that is important to pass on and to keep that knowledge in the city. I quit my job quite early in the idea stage of my company. So I remember telling my mom, well, mom, I quit my job. I'm going to start a textile mill, a weaving mill. And she really liked the idea, but she was worried at the same time. And I really completely understand why, because it was really a naive plan of me to start my own mill. Seven years on, I'm still working in the company and it grows every day. So I'm really happy that naive young me decided to start this whole adventure seven years ago. And to tell you more about the mill, we are a sustainable weaving mill. We also recently acquired two circular knitting machines. So we're developing recycled jersey fabrics as well, but we're not there yet. But well, we have some core principles as a weaving mill. So we try to work with as many sustainable yarns as possible, which most of the times means that we work with recycled yarns that can either be production waste. So cutting scraps from garment manufacturers that are recycled and spun into new yarns or company clothing that otherwise would have got burned because companies move to a new uniform. We save them with our recycling partners, make fibers out of them, and then let them spin into new yarns. Or the waste of our customers, we help them with the recycling process and we weave a fabric out of that. Another basic principle is that we don't dye our fabrics. All the color comes from the recycled materials that is used in our fabrics. So in that way, we save a lot of water and chemicals in our production process because the dyeing and bleaching of fabrics is one of the most polluting parts of textile manufacturing, which is something that not everybody is aware of. Thirdly, of course, we produce in Holland, which also makes it sensible to get your resources as close to home as possible. So we only source our yarns in Europe, well, more expensive yarn than a competitor in Spain. We still go for the Belgium yarn because then we have less CO2 emissions in our production and supply process. And we also produce on demand, so we don't keep any stock. We do have a little yarn stock of qualities that yeah that sell all the time. But yeah, we develop custom fabrics for almost all our customers and they can order from one meter up until 10,000 meters because We're housed in the last remaining weaving mill of Enschede and we have access to 38 looms together. So we are quite flexible in both small runs for consumers, but also big runs for companies that want to purchase upholstery or fashion fabrics from recycled resources. Your mother told us the story about her birthday fabric that you produced for her. She was so excited. Yeah, she's the biggest fan of the weaving mill. So I always test new colors with her and say, well, I've got a new quality. What do you think of it? Uh, Can you give your expert opinion on it? And she really, really liked one of the upholstery fabrics I developed together with a textile designer. It was a purple and royal blue 
it's a little bit of a herringbone variation. It's a really nice fabric. And she immediately envisioned a nice jacket from it. But at the time, we really didn't develop it thoroughly yet. So I was telling her that she should wait to buy it. And on her birthday, I actually programmed the loom and sent her a little video like, well, mom, one, two, three, we're going to weave it. So uh, she was really happy about that. So it's really nice. Yeah, to see my mom happy with the fabric. And that's actually something that happens a lot with customers as well, that they're really happy about the fact that we're, as a weaving mill, we're close to them and we share a lot about the production process and how fabrics are made. And I think it's really important to educate people about who makes your fabrics, where are they from, and yeah, what it all entails to make a fabric. I know you said that you were naive about moving from advertising to the weaving mill, but from what you've said, you've done your research about the weaving process, about not wasting water through using yarns that are already in that colour and that you're producing locally and you're sourcing locally. So that's not naive. That's very well thought out. Well, what was naive was the fact that I had never been in a weaving mill when I decided to start one. And I quit my job and then thought of all the other things. So that's what makes it a little bit naive. But I think it's really funny when I quit my job, I started a logbook because I thought, well, either way it's going to fail or it's going to be a success. But one way or the other, I want to know later on what I thought at this moment. And I wrote down a really small business plan. Mm -hmm. And actually, funnily enough, that ambition is still the same. And the local production, no compromises on sustainability, always choosing the most sustainable resource for what we do. That's something that is still embedded in the core of my company. And that's what I really like about it, that if you start a company out of pure ambition to make the world a better place, to make it more sustainable, that's totally different than starting out of money-driven motivation. And yeah, it's really nice to see that that ambition and motivation are still the same seven years on. I'm only a home sewer. How would I order a small quantity of fabric for me? Actually, one of the goals when I started the mill was that I wanted to make sustainable fabrics accessible to anyone because I did some research in the beginning because, well, I quit my job. I had a lot of time on my hands and no knowledge about textiles whatsoever other than sewing with fabrics. So I started to, well, drink coffee and meet up with as many people as I could that did something in the textile industry. And there were a lot of similarities in all those conversations because a lot of designers told me that, well... First of all, it's really difficult to tell whether or not a fabric is truly sustainable, how to judge a fabric on that and how to know that I can trust the supplier. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they were forced to buy a lot of meters at the same time. So designers could only purchase a sustainable fabric starting from 500 or 1,000 meters. And if they only needed 50 meters, they were left with a lot of leftover fabric. And that's why the second-hand market or the dead stock fabric market is so thriving because a lot of weaving mills have high minimum order quantities. So my goal was at the beginning that I wanted to yeah, be able to sell starting from one meter to, uh, to customers. Right. Business-wise, that's not always the smartest thing, but... Mm. We do offer a custom-made service for people that really look for a special fabric. But yep. well, we also have a web shop where consumers can purchase fabrics because, well, the last years I got a lot of questions from consumers like, well, 
you're aimed at the business to business market, but can I buy fabrics for myself? Well, of course, because my main goal when starting this mill was to make the fabrics accessible for everyone. So that also means people who sew at home. So we have a solution for that. We have a web shop. It's called sustainablefabrics.shop. And we offer various fabrics. And most of the times it's the couple of meters that we have to weave because we have to take shrinkage into account. We don't always know how much a fabric will shrink. So we have to weave well on the high side of the amount of meters that the customer needs. And sometimes it doesn't shrink a lot and we have two, three meters of the fabric that we then sell on our web shop. We also have beautiful mistakes, as we call them, with really small crinkles or spots or, well, sometimes not. there's not a lot wrong with the fabric. It's too pretty to throw away, but our customer really wants the exact same quality as the last time, for instance. Well, we don't like throwing away fabric, so well, we sell them with a heavy discount on the web shop as well. And we also work with a social workplace in Enschede who makes tea towels for us. So we also sell a small range of textile related homeware products on the webshop as well. When you've got leftovers, you don't waste it. You can still be used somehow and you've worked that out. Yeah, exactly. We try to prevent producing waste in the beginning. So that means producing on demand and only producing when yeah, a customer orders something. And that is for two reasons. First of all, to not have waste in our production process, but also, in my opinion, you then have the chance to develop a fabric that really meets the requirements of the designer or the brand that orders the fabric, because we can tweak it a little bit. We can weave it a little bit more densely or openly and make the color match the different colors in the collection of the designer, for instance. So, And I think that by creating something of true quality yeah it's also valued a lot more by the end user because yeah you can see the attention to detail that goes into the fabric that is used and yeah the garments uh, in the end are you now excited about creating knit fabrics yeah i really am because we don't dye our fabrics normally if you want to have a dark blue or a navy blue a lot of males dye their fabrics in the same color so that they have a color match What we try to do is take a batch of recycled yarns and make woven fabrics for specific garments and make knitted fabrics out of the same batch of yarn so that we don't have to dye anything. But we do have a perfect color match between our fabric ranges. So that's something that I'm really excited about because I think it gives a lot more opportunities for designers and other people working with our fabrics. Is there ever a dull day at the mill? No, we always have interns and they always say, well, can you describe a typical day at the mill? And well, me and my colleagues always say, well, there is no such thing as a typical day because no day is different. And that's also why I really like what I do, because my work days are so diverse and I work with people from various backgrounds that perhaps I would never have met them if I stayed at the advertising agency. So, yeah, I feel really lucky to do what I am doing. It's great that you've developed this weaving mill, that sustainability is the heart of what you do and that we've now got knit fabrics that we can look forward to. And Amika, what goals do you have for 2021? Well, my goals for 2021. Well, I actually had a lot of goals for 2020 and well, as many of the listeners might recognize 
that didn't go as planned. But well, I'm still happy that we could keep on weaving and things like that. But yeah, we were growing a lot as a company in the past year that stagnated a little bit in 2020. So in 2021, I really hope that, yeah, we do a lot for offices, for upholsterers that make office furniture, for instance. And I really hope that people return to the office and start seeing that as, yeah, perhaps looking at offices and workplaces in a different way and in a more sustainable way. And perhaps we can help a lot of companies with decorating and and upholstering their office in a new sustainable way that is future proof. Yeah. And also for 2021, I really hope that our knitwear is developed thoroughly so that we can bring that to the markets. And apart from that, just like my goals for any other year is to bring joy with what I do and not only to me, but also to the team of people that I work with, to the people that work with our fabrics and yeah, to make a change in the textile industry. And that's, yeah, that's always the goal any day, any year. It's admirable that you survived 2020 with everything that's happened this year. Yeah, the year's not over yet, but no, I'm really happy that that's also because when I started the weaving mill, I decided to focus on sustainability and both consumers and retailers and brands and architects that makes our portfolio so diverse. Yeah, luckily enough, when some customers drop out or cancel their orders, it's not immediately the end of the world for us. So that's really something I'm happy about. And that's not something that I really consciously did perhaps, but yeah, the decision to focus on sustainability instead of a product group really helped us this year, I think. Congratulations. Thanks. (laughs) Anna Mika, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today? What I would like to say is, well, I really hope that I have inspired listeners to think more consciously about how a fabric is made and the environmental and social impact that textile production can have. And also, I hope that people think about, well, consciously think about all aspects of sewing. So not only make garments that have a great fit, and have exceptional quality and are worn for a long time, that's really already very sustainable. And I think most people that make their own garments are really more conscious about what they wear than people that just go to the stores, grab something off the rack and get rid of that when they're bored of it. But at the same time, there's more to the topic of sustainability than only the labor. So when I sometimes see people on the internet posting their productive sewing weekends when they have sewn 10 different shirts from really cheap fabrics, then I always think, well, there's also a lot of impact on how that fabric is made. And of course, I cannot look in everyone's wallet and everybody has to make their own decision in that. But I hope that people also start to buy more sustainable and ethically produced fabrics as well for their wonderful projects and garments that they make. That's a really good point for people to understand. On Fridays on the podcast, we look at sewing saves and we look at mending. That's great. Thank you. But it's really important that people have a very broader view as to what it is they're doing and how it's impacting the environment. And you've done that with developing your sustainable weaving mill. So thank you. Thank you. And really great that you also pay attention to other topics regarding sustainability and sewing. So I really appreciate that and looking forward to hearing that uh, podcast as well. Thanks, Annamika. And say hi to your mother for me because it's been (laughs) wonderful that she's been on the podcast and it's been lovely to have you on the podcast as well. I will. Yeah. 
thank you for having me. I will say hi to to my mom and and so hi from her because she always also said uh, say hi for me. So yeah, really appreciate it to uh, to be here and uh, looking forward to the end result. Thank you. And all the best with the milk leading up to Christmas. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organized Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Anamika. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organized Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher, and anywhere you hear good podcasts. Post any questions or suggestions on our website at soorganizedstyle.com, on our So Organized Style Instagram account, or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.